and welcome back to another fun, exciting, engaging episode of Advising One-on-One Podcast. As always, I'm the greatest host in the, that knows the most, James Cabanis, and the subpar trying to get better, Alexander Scott. Oh, that's not exactly the same way that you say it, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think by now everyone knows that, man, that James Cabanis, he knows his stuff. They know Alexander Scott is the one that had it all. <laughs> Professor <Well>, Scott. <laughs> today, I know before getting on this podcast, you and I, we chatted a little bit. And we talked about how you said that I am the one that's going to truly be leading this conversation today. And, and I must agree with you that, you know, this is something that I really, really enjoy. But at the same time, I, as an advisor, I can sometimes find it a little frustrating. And today's topic that we're going to uh, discuss today will be strategies for successful registration and advising. Uh, the podcast will explore strategies to have real conversations with students about their current progress and future registration. And they will also learn how to stay on track for a timely graduation. You know, that's one thing that's very important to many college students is, am I going to graduate on time? And so having those conversations, we'll le learn and we'll uh, discover and explore those wonderful aspects to make sure that they stay on track especially if they're not doing well in their current course or they're not taking the uh, correct number of uh, credits to make sure they stay on track. So we're going to talk about that. And I'm glad to have Professor Scott here. I'm glad to be here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So let's dig right into it. Um, I know for me, I got my start at Norfolk State University working as an academic advisor. And I must admit, learning a uh, catalog, a course catalog is crazy. There are tons of classes that are listed in there that a student should take from their first year to their last semester. And there's a whole underlying uh, source of what is called course substitutions that you don't know about. And it can be confusing. And then moving on uh, to say, for instance, at Raffin University, you also have to incorporate certain things such as SAP, which was something that I learned at uh, uh, New Norfolk State University, uh, SAP is the Satisfactory, Satisfactory Academic Progress that is uh, provided by the Department of Education that if any student who is accepting financial aid, they have to be on track to graduate on time and they can only repeat a certain number of courses, they have to take a certain number of courses each semester, be at a certain level of progression rate, and if not, then they will lose their financial aid or they can do an appeal to regain their financial aid and kind of develop a plan on how they're going to remain on track based on GPA and credit hours. So it's very complex. And like I said, at, at Radford University, where I'm currently am, uh, I'm learning that one, that they have a limit of how many times a student can repeat a course, how many times they can retake a course, uh, like three times, uh, repeat, no one in, um, you know, retaking a course a certain number of times, and you have to get the dean's approval. Uh, which is something I also learned at the community college uh, at Virginia Western, that you know after two times, a student has to get uh, permission by the dean in order to retake a course. So there's so many different factors that go into play that it can be overwhelming, especially if you're a new advisor or you're going transitioning to a new institution. Um, so that course catalog is going to be your friend. One of the things I would definitely say to any advisor out there, especially new advisor, and you know, right, Professor Scott, there are some faculty who advise and, and register students, correct? Oh, yes, that's correct. We normally have to advise our students and tell them the classes that they're gonna take and see if they're following their path. 
to graduation and to finish their courses at their or their grades that their degrees that they are trying to pursue. Yes, that's one thing that we have to do many times with them. And uh, I, I will tell you one thing is that's uh, when I felt that this episode is, is your forte because I have to lie, uh, rely a lot on my uh, advisor from my school in order to help the students to be successful on the classes that they're going to take. There are some classes that I'm not sure that they will be more effective for them to transfer to another institution. So I rely a lot on the advisor in order to help me out with that, to bring yeah, the most scary. accurate information for the student. You're right. That's the key word, accurate, because it's scary. Because one wrong class at a, a wrong semester or not having a student take a prerequisite that keeps them on track can totally be what is known as misadvising. And misadvising is the ultimate sin in uh, higher education because that means that student has to stay another semester or take a class that they should have taken or taken a class that they took and it doesn't count towards their degree uh, plan. And oh my goodness, it messes up everything. And it's really frustrating for the parent because a parent has an expectation, my child is gonna to go to, to college and graduate within four years. And then when it doesn't happen, uh, so yes, it can be overwhelming, but I'm here to tell you, we are here to help you and we are here to put away the fear. And by doing so is, as I mentioned, the course catalog is gonna be your best friend. Also building relationship with other advisors across um, the college campus, uh, you know, especially with different departments, um, talking to faculty members because faculty members are the experts in their areas. They know what substitutes counts for what. And that's something, especially if you're an athletic academic coordinator, you have to know those core substitutions because your students are very unique in the fact that they have to have a progress towards degree a little bit earlier than the average student because there are eligibility implications that are also factored into advising your students who are in athletics. So one of the main things that you can do as a new advisor, especially, is read and understand the course catalog, build relationships, talk to your director, ask for help, print out all of the academic progress sheets. So if your college has an academic progress sheet for each major, pull those out. Especially if you have a student who, for instance, may come into your institution undecided or who have yet to declare a major. Those students are really important. So you wanna make sure you focus on those students with their general education uh, courses. So therefore, they can get a sense of exactly where they are, what they like, what they may not like, and then be able to help them navigate to what curriculum program is best for them. Of course, if you have a student who has already declared a major, you kind of have some idea. But sometimes as we learn, there are certain GPA requirements to get into certain majors. So again, reading your course catalog, looking at the progress sheets, helps you identify and understand those particular uh, stipulations in order to get into a major. Uh, especially if you're working with a nursing program, there are pre-nursing programs that students have to take a certain number of cre credit hours, certain number of courses, there are deadlines to uh, get into a particular program. So they have to have all the courses done by say for instance, February deadline or, or October deadline. So being aware of that you know, is very important. What I highly recommend for any advisor is to create a booklet, a, a big, huge book, a binder of all the different programs, and then break it down by college and have certain key points that you need to know, course substitutions, uh, when classes should be uh, taken, if there's a, a practicum that a student has to take, especially for the education uh, degree, 
then making sure for that early childhood education that they know when they have to take the praxis, for example. Uh, so having all those different uh, stipulations in there, create a book, print out tons of emails, uh, especially if you get updates about new classes, new courses, uh, if there's a general education change, you also have to be uh, cognizant and aware of students' uh, academic catalog year. So say for instance, you may have a student now that's in a fall 2020 catalog, but then you also still have a student who's part of a fall 2017 academic catalog. And if general education courses have changed since then or requirements changed since then, you have to be aware of it because uh, not all of our students are falling underneath the same catalog. The other piece that's important is when you actually have the opportunity to uh, meet with the student, as you're scheduling your appointments with the students, which whatever system you're using, say for instance, if you're using Starfish to schedule your appointments or if you're using Outlook to schedule your appointments, make sure if you're a new advisor, give yourself roughly about 45 minutes. If you're a, a experienced advisor, then give yourself about 30 minutes. Make sure you spend some time, at least you know, an hour before or at least maybe the day before, uh, some time in your schedule, either in the morning or in the afternoon, like I said, the morning of the day or the afternoon uh, of the day before the meeting, schedule some time to look over your students. So therefore you have an idea of what their needs are, what they're currently in, develop some questions to ask. So if I know that we're about to talk about registration, then I can look at their previous history and say, okay, what general education courses have they taken? Have they completed that section? Wonderful, yes. If not, okay, what do they need to complete? And what does maybe the major require? Also, it's important to look at the major that they're in, making sure that they're in lockstep. As we all know, and some of us may be new to this, some courses are only taught in the fall, while some courses are only taught in the spring. And some courses are prerequisites for the next course. So meaning if you did not take the course in the fall, you cannot take the next course in the spring. So we have to be, as advisors, be aware of it. I know and I understand and I get it, it's a lot. But I promise you, again, going through it a couple of semesters, having some wonderful support around you, you will be successful. The other piece that's important uh, is to make sure as you look at what courses that they take in, what courses they need to take, also look at their midterm grades. If your institution has midterm grades, look at it. Just get an idea of, okay, if this student doesn't pass this class, what is an, an alternative class that we can put them in? Or should they repeat the course? Because if you only have a certain number of retakes, say for instance, uh, at my institution where you can only have three retakes, then should they save the retake to a later uh, semester or should they use it now to help boost their GPA up so they can get into that uh, major that they're trying to declare? Uh, so those are all the different factors that, that you have to put into it. Also, what helps is a GPA calculator. So looking at the courses that they're currently taking, figuring out the GPA that they'll have. And so therefore you can have an idea of what courses they may need to repeat. So you can make sure that the student remains academically eligible. As you, again, as you're looking at all these different factors of understanding what they need to take, what they're taking, then you should be ready for your meeting. I would also ask them some uh, pertinent questions such as, do you plan on having a job next semester? Or are you gonna get more involved next semester? How does your time management look? Also ask some questions, especially during this pandemic. How are you with online classes? You know, How are you with hybrid classes, self-paced classes? Those types of questions are important as you look at what classes they should take. Are they a morning person? Are they an evening person? You know, you want to make sure if it's a if it's a more challenging course like a math course and something they may not necessarily appreciate, then have them taking it at two o'clock on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday versus you know eight o'clock in the morning on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, where the chances are if they're not a morning person, they're going to forget the class or they're going to sleep in, or they're going to say, well, I knew I wasn't good at it anyway. 
So developing a schedule that allows them to eliminate excuses and support their success helps their success. So another piece as, as we are now approaching on actually meeting with the student, um, you know, of course, introduce yourself, gr greet them. Say, hi, my name is, you know, James Cabinets. I'm so happy to have you today especially if it's a new first year student. They have a lot of anxiety. They wanna make sure they graduate on time. They wanna make sure they get credit for dual enrolled courses, their AP courses or IB courses. So it's a lot, you know, I wanna take a little break right here because it's a lot of information to really hash out. And I, I wanna know, what are your thoughts from hearing all that, uh, Professor Scott? Well, I don't want to become an advisor now. <laughs> <laughs> no, to learn. that is not the purpose of this. <laughs> Of course, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. No, but let me ask you a question from a, from a professor perspective. This is the way that I advise the students when they come to my office. And, mm -hmm. and you tell me what I think I'm doing, right? Or what I can add to that. And the first thing that I do is when I meet them, of course, I'd introduce myself and I tell them who I am and uh, and after I have a little chat conversation with them, uh, I ask them uh, what they want to do. Mm -hmm. As I am in a, in a college of two-year college degree, and many of our students go for a two-year college degree, some others just go for transfer. And uh, I ask them about then what they want to do, if they want to finish their degree or if they want to uh, transfer. That's the first question that I ask them. Good job. Uh, okay. Second, after that, I asked them where they want to transfer. Uh, That's important, especially at a community college, because some some uh, programs have certain uh, course requirements, or some courses may not transfer. It really depends on your state. Uh, you know, I would say Virginia is lucky. We have a great relationship. Our higher education institution uh, have a great relationship with community college, the Virginia Community College System, where we have an agreement that if they take courses at a community college, those courses will transfer over. Um, as long as there's certain courses. So like, say for instance, um, you, all, you all have the SDV 100, which is you all's version of orientation to college, where at uh, many uh, four-year institutions, they have what is called UNIV 100, UNIV 100, uh, which is introduction to higher education. So if a student takes SDV 100 at a community college, it automatically counts for the UNIV 100, just like with English 112, or English 111, if they take that at a community college, is automatically going to transfer over and count at a four-year public institution. So there are certain uh, areas, certain states that actually have that agreement, and um, you know it is really a great, it is a great, great, great uh, advantage for the student. Okay, uh, so that's pretty much my second step that I asked them, and I make sure that they know if they're transferring the classes that they're going to take in the four-year institution what classes they're going to take. And after they make their research by themselves, or I help them many times to research there. Uh, sometimes it's easy uh, uh, to, to find that information. Sometimes they have to make their own research. And yeah, you're right. Because uh, Virginia Tech, for instance, um, that, you know, especially when I was working at Virginia Western Community College, there were certain courses that Virginia Tech really wanted students to take if they were going to uh, transfer into that engineering program. And they had to have a certain GPA. If they had a certain GPA, they could, uh, uh, you know, be exempt from certain things. And so, yeah, those things are critical. Ooh. So I, I was doing a, a right job, right? I've been doing a right job so far. 
Well, you still have some stuff to learn from me, but yeah, you're doing good. <laughs> okay, let me continue then. And and after I know if they are going to transfer or if they want to finish their degree, I asked them about their uh, time management. You mentioned that before. Yeah. And, uh, because sometimes they have, uh, they have two jobs, but they want to take five classes. Yeah, and it changes from semester to semester. So just because you ask them in the spring or in the fall doesn't mean it's not going to be different in the fall or the spring or even in the summer. Um, yes. you know, especially, if, you know, I know a lot of times we don't even consider summer, but you have to consider their workload in the summer. Um, they may have two jobs because they're back home now and they're trying to take a class online and or a couple to just try to catch up or get ahead. And so you have to, you always have to know what is their schedule looking like. Exactly. And, and sometimes they just want to make some money during the summer. So, and they take classes at the same times, but they don't have, they don't have the time because two jobs and five classes, oh, it's, it's a big load of work. Yeah. So, and I also asked them how, how many classes they feel that they can handle. Yeah, I would say uh, definitely, um, you know, at a four-year institution, we, you typically want students to take at least roughly 15 credits uh, because, you know, 15 graduates. Uh, so if you take 15 credits every semester, that's uh, 15 plus 15 is 30. That's one year. Mm -hmm. 30, 30 times four, That's 120. The average uh, college program is going to be 120 credits. So if you take 15, then of course there's some variations, but the average college program is 120. That you graduate within uh, four years if you take 15 credits every semester. So that works. Now there are some students, you know, I think that you know we also should talk about uh, some students who may have accommodations um, or, or certain needs. Though uh, some some of those students. Uh, that need uh, special accommodations, such as, you know, extra time taking the test, or they may have need, need a note taker, uh, you might want to consider those students to maybe take somewhere between, you know, 12, 13 credits uh, based on your conversation with that individual. Uh, because if a student, you know, who has an accommodation says, you know, I, I don't want, I, I need four classes, I don't want to be overwhelmed, I don't want to be overloaded, I just want to, you know, I want to go at my pace. So it's very important to be, uh, you know, respectful of students who have accommodations and make sure that they don't take too many courses, even if it means that they have to stay an extra semester or an extra year. Um, the most important thing is a successful graduation and successful completion. We certainly don't want to overwhelm those, those students uh, by shoving 18 credits into their, their schedule and then, you know, they're not able to handle that load. So it's also important to be mindful and respectful of our students who have uh, certain needs or accommodations. Uh, that's correct. That's one thing I always try to find answers from their own point of view, from their own perspective. And, 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 and I, one thing that I try to do is to balance the classes that they're going to take. Uh, for example, some students want to take like five math classes at the same time. <laughs> and and it, with that, it, it makes it sometimes really hard for them to be successful because there are some classes that demands a lot. Like, for example, my classes, they demand so much. Why? Because I'm just a great professor. I just recommended two students to take your class, actually, the next semester. I told them because all you do is give out easy aids. You mean to tell me I have to go back and change that statement? Uh -huh. Probably. <laughs> no. no, but I, I just try to re always recommend them to try to take some classes, some classes that requires a lot of reading, other classes requires more time because sometimes it's not what the, their strength. 
So, yes. I, and I try to talk to them. Are you good at math? Okay, so I balance with them. Do you like reading? So sometimes they say, I don't like reading a lot, but they <laughs> take five classes that requires a lot of reading. So it makes it really hard for them to be successful when they are in with a schedule with a lot of reading requirements. Yeah, that, that's why I tr try to not to have uh, students take math and science at the, in the same semester. I try to break it up. Now, if they're, if they're biology major or chemistry major, there's nothing I can do about that. But okay. uh, for the most part, I try to break that up. Uh, that seems, seems to be the killer combination is math, statistics, then a biology. And, and that's what a crazy thing. semester. And that's one thing that you have a great advantage over me, which is the first time. But because <laughs> uh, my experience is pretty much with the students where for the humanities uh, field. So okay. in the humanities field, what we have is a lot of reading and a couple of science class and math. But you have the, all of them together. So you got to manage all, all, all students in all types of degrees. Yeah. So your experience is, is it's more robust than well, mine in you. this area. The smile, the smile is getting bigger to know that you appreciate <laughs> my work. But uh, the other thing that you have to talk to students when you actually meet with them and you introduce yourself, you know, is just basically saying, you know, how's everything going? Are you satisfied with your major? Because there could be instances and there couldn't be certain cues that you have to pay attention to and listen uh, when you're talking to the students that, hey, I hate my major or, oh my gosh, you know, this class, if I have another one of these classes, I don't know if I can stay here at this school. Listening to those cues will help you identify, okay, maybe we need to talk about identifying a, a new major. Um, maybe we I need to identify, you know, this particular class, you know, do we need to retake it? Let's plan to retake it. Or is this something maybe we want to take in the summer where it can be your only focus? Um, also, you have students who say, hey, I only want classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I want my Monday, Wednesday, Friday free so I can study. It does not work. And having that conversation with the students, sharing with them why it doesn't. Because, you know, I know for me, I was like, oh, yeah, I can have off on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's great. Or I can work on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then I just have all my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I'll just get work done on the other days. It doesn't work like that. And it's definitely very stressful when you have a situation where you have three tests or four tests on one day. And so being able to help our students navigate, you know, their desires and their dreams versus reality and true expectations. Um, because the true expectation is let's spread out the work. Let's not try to eat the whole elephant. Let's eat the elephant in, in bites. I think that's your line, uh, <laughs> Scott. So, that's you know, you right. <laughs> eat an elephant a bite at a time. And, and you have to let them know that, you know, their, their, men, their mental health is important. And if they take five classes all on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we can't ensure that they're going to have a great mental health by the end of the semester. Uh, so it's important to let them know that. Also, it's important to uh, empower our students by allowing them the opportunity to see what they need to take. I like to put the responsibility on the students to identify the courses that they need to take because this Correct. is their money. This is their education. They have to sit in the classroom. We don't have to sit in the classroom. We don't have to take the courses. So I empower them and I say, hey, have you had an opportunity to look at your, uh, your progress sheet? And they'll say, yes, I did. Great, so what classes are you thinking about taking? If they say, no, they didn't, I say, well, hold up, all right. But here, let's first look at the progress sheet. Um, if your school is lucky and you have a program called DegreeWorks that it'll do the degree audit for you and it'll show them the class that they need, then great. Sh sh uh, walk that through. Um, What's the name of the program you said? It's called DegreeWorks. Okay. So okay. DegreeWorks takes uh, is something that your registrar's office, your registrar's office can purchase, 
And the reworks will take all the classes that a student needs from a particular program and match it up with the classes that they've taken or are currently in. And it'll show them how many more classes they have left to fulfill. Um, it's really great. It's a wonderful tool. Um, but sit down and have that conversation with the students, show them how to use it so they can do it on their own. Uh, because there are some college institutions where there's an advising center that will advise students all four years. There are some models that are out there that's called a two plus two, where the first two years, uh, the student is advised by an advising center. And then the second two years are transitioned over to their faculty advisor in-house. Uh, there are some institutions where they are solely uh, advised by their faculty um, advisor, which is great because they build relationships within that uh, program or that college earlier. And so it's not this awkward handoff come their sophomore year or junior year. Um, so again, you know, ha having a student go over it and look at it and having them advise you as far as what class they would like to take. Because again, they are the ones who have to sit in the classroom, we don't. And so because we don't, we want them to feel comfortable with what we're recommending. Um, so if, say for instance, they recommend, hey, oh, I wanna take this cool sociology uh, 121 class, introduction to sociology. I, I think it sounds cool, but they're a business major and they've already fulfilled their general education. And you know they, they don't have any wiggle room to really uh, to take uh, alternative courses. Share with them, hey, let's take care of these uh, business courses first. And then if we have some time, we can take that sociology course. Uh, or if they're in a situation where they need kind of an easy course to kind of boost their GPA, then you consider that option. Uh, so always consider what the student would like to take versus what the student needs to take. And also share with the student, hey, if you take this class or if you take classes at this time, these are the potential um, consequences. And make sure when you have those types of conversations with the student about consequences and what could happen, notate it, document it. If your school has a system like we have Starfish that collects our notes, or if you use, uh, say for instance, Datatel, which has an internal uh, note-taking system uh, where you put comments in, make sure you document it. So if it ever comes back or there's someone else that comes behind you or they have a new advisor, they can say, Oh, well, they told you you should take uh, English and sociology and theater if you want to graduate on time or marketing if you wanted to graduate on time and you didn't take it. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, you're, you're going to be behind a semester or you need to take a couple of credits to get back on track. So, so but, uh, hold on, document hold on. It. but when you said document it, it's not only uh, for uh, when the students come back to you and say, hey, you didn't tell me this, but just in case don't another advisor uh, see in students information, they know where they where you stop with them working. Okay. Yeah, they, they understand your rationale for uh, recommending what you recommended. What um, about professors? Do we have access in your school? Do they have access to that information yep. that you? Mm -hmm. Oh, yep. at our good. institution, uh, they have access to all of our notes. Um, so like when I go and I meet with a student, uh, I put all the classes that I recommend. Usually, typically what I'll do is I recommend seven class seven seven options. I won't say seven classes because I can get a little much. <laughs> yes. Seven options. Uh, I, I like to recommend seven options for my students to take. Uh, and the reason why I do this is because there are some institutions, they have uh, registration based on your, your level, uh, your educational level in terms of your how long you've been there. So if you're a senior, you get to register first. If you're a junior, you get to go second, uh, sophomore, third, uh, you know, first year student, you get to go last after everybody else. If you're, if you're an honor student, then you get to go first with the seniors. If you, uh, you know, say for instance, you're a student athlete, then you may go at a certain time. 
And so what happens, especially for our first year students, by the time it's for them to register for a course, all the courses are taken. And then they're going crazy because at seven o'clock the, the hold is removed and they can register for classes at seven o'clock. They're, they're, they're going crazy like, oh my gosh, we talked about these five classes, it's 15 credits, but I only have, only have three, three classes because the other two that we talked about, they're full. I only have nine credits. What am I gonna do? I'm not a full-time student. Oh my goodness, what am I gonna do? And, they're, and, and there's a lot of anxiety for first-year students. And so they're emailing you saying, hey, I need help, hey, I need help. But it's seven o'clock in the morning and most of us are getting ready for, to go into work. We're not at work yet, we haven't checked our emails. And so meanwhile, that student has a lot of anxiety. So if you do the work on the front end and identify at least seven options and share with them, hey, these are seven options, but you only have to take five of them or you only have to take 15 credits. So therefore, when they go to register on that first day and one of the classes that you all discuss, uh, one of the seven options you discuss is not available, then they have a backup that they can go to and they can feel comfortable and say, oh, whew, I got this. That class is full, but guess what? I have two other classes I can choose from. And that takes a lot of pressure off of them. Remember, the whole point of us being advisors is to help our students navigate through the stuff, especially first year students. We want them to navigate it easily. We don't want them to feel overwhelmed. And so being respectful and mindful of that and you know, giving them seven options and highlighting what it is are the, the five primary courses that they should take is helpful to the student's success. And it helps them again with anxiety. Uh, so once you get into, like I said, once you have that conversation, you ask them, hey, how do you feel comfortable in your major? Great. Then this is going to be the next steps. If not, let's talk about some assessments. Maybe, you know, what, what, what are you interested in? Have you taken a career assessment? Uh, like, say, for instance, we use Pathway U that helps and provides some options for students uh, to, to try. Um, so we will be able to use that to help our students navigate what major might be best for them. Once we had that conversation, like you said, Professor Scott, how many hours are you going to be working next semester? Are you working? Are you involved in programs? You know, when do you prefer taking classes? Um, one of the big things I always hear is that students don't want to take eight o'clock in the morning classes. And it's funny because, you know, during the summer, they work eight o'clock in the morning. Some of them six o'clock. <laughs> and they'll, and they tell me, and it's so funny because they'll say, oh, well, it's different because, you know, I'm making money and it's a job and I'm working. And I'm like, your education is a job. This is preparing you for the future. And I said, so, you know, you have to be willing to sacrifice now for a long-term gain. And remember the early bird gets the worm. So the early you get that class, the early you get done with your courses, the more time you have to study and get on and do your work. And then therefore that allows you more time in the afternoon to really enjoy and relax. And so, you know, they, they hear that and they're like, yeah, that's true. And you know, yeah, if I, if I can go to, if I can go to work in, in, at eight o'clock, then I can do this. Cause I'm like, this is your money. This is your money. This is your money at work for you. And you have to recognize that, you know, and a lot of times students, it is this disconnect between college is their money and <laughs> understanding the importance of their success in college. And it's like, yes. oh, well, that's right. I guess I am paying for it. And, and, and sometimes because of student loans and, and, you know, because they're not paying physically right then and there, they don't have that in their mindset that this is costing me. So I need to make sure I get the most out of this moment. And so having those conversations, again, what combinations work? A reading class, reading intense uh, schedule or, or math intense schedule may not be the best fit. So having those conversations, looking for those cues. Um, also identifying with the uh, student, you know, what classes they're currently in, what classes are they passing, what classes do they think they may fail, and laying out a schedule for a student if they think they may fail. What classes should they retake? 
and try to make sure they have the same professor because they already know that professor. So the great part is if they fail a class, retake the same professor. You already know their expectations. You already know what they're looking for. You already know their teaching style. You don't have to start all over from scratch and learn their system, learn their method all over again. If you take another professor, you're gonna to have to do all those things. Uh, also, you know, help, helping our students uh, get away from rate my professors. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll use ratemyprofessors.com to uh, really look at a, a, yeah. a professor and say, oh, I want that professor because everybody says they're great. You know, one of the things I've, I've done in every single one of my uh, introduction to college courses is I go online to ratemyprofessor.com and I always rate myself as a hot tamale or easy on the <laughs> eyes uh, yeah. in front of the students and say, oh, he's easy or he teach night courses, which I don't. And they look at it and they're like, oh my gosh. So you mean any, anybody can just go in there and write whatever they want? I was like, yeah, I just did it in front of you. I said, I do it every single semester. I said, so wow. understand it's systems like this that if you rely too heavily on, you might end up with the worst professor or sometimes understand that that's, that uh, student's experience is that student's experience. That student experience doesn't mean it'll be your experience. And just because they had that experience, you know, you don't know what they did. You don't know if they went to class all the time. You don't know if they studied every day. You don't know. There's so many factors. So one of the things when we're talking about registering students and, and meeting with students is just meet with first, look at the different professors that are teaching the course. Meet with them. Have a conversation with them. If you have a professor that you talk to that gives 10 tests in a subject you hate, and then you talk to another professor and they give three tests in a subject you hate, go with the professor that gives you 10 tests. Because I'd rather dig myself out of a hole up from a 23 with nine more tests to help me versus a professor. If I get a 23 on the first test, I only have two more tests, then I'm automatically going to say, uh, there's no point in going back to class. Oh, I'm not going to do well. I'm, it's, going, it's, going to be demotiv it's, it's not going to be motivating for you. So it's important to, you know, again, meet with the professors, figure out their learning style, figure out their uh, teaching style, their pedagogy, and, and really just help help define as far as who's going to be on your team. As I tell all my students, you know, you pick your team. It's like hiring a group of lawyers. You pick your team to help you be successful. And so if you don't meet with them and you go into a class and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't, I don't like the way they instruct, give lessons or instruct. That's your fault because you had the opportunity to meet with them beforehand and to find the teacher that's going to work best for you. Because, um, you know, I always tell students, that's it. Professors don't hire students. Students hire professors. And with that, you got to make sure you're hiring people that's going to be on your team. I said, because if professors could choose what students they want, it'd be different, but it's not that way. So you are the customer. And since you're the customer, you have to look at the different brands that are out there on that shelf and make sure that there's a brand that fits right for you. And so I'm sorry if you have if you didn't get many students when I used to work at Virginia Western, but I, I told them, I, I, know. I, I, used to, I used to tell them, avoid that brand. That's, that's one brand you don't, you don't want. Hey, according to rate my professor, I am one of the best. <laughs> no, you didn't. You really went on there. Oh my goodness! You must have. You must have filtered the comments then. Uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So so again. So you know, once you identify some alternate uh, schedules based on uh, their passing or potential not passing, um, you know, have some alternate schedules. Have extra courses. 
again, having them identify courses based on uh, the professors that they feel they're gonna have the best, they're gonna mesh well with, um, then selecting times. Uh, make sure you send out notices to your students about registration when it's coming, the things they need to do, checking for holes on their accounts, if there's a balance that they need to look on or if there's immunization uh, you know, holes that they may have that they need to complete. Making sure you meet with them, uh, at least I would say three weeks in advance, uh, minimum. Uh, so students have enough time to get those things taken care of. And if not, then you can go back and you can check and you can send a reminder, hey, registration is a week away. Don't forget to take off your, your immunization hold. Uh, so that way when registration starts, they're ready to roll. Again, we're trying to do as much as possible in the beginning preemptively. So once the day arrives, it's smooth transition for them. Because in some cases, there are some students who are willing to withdraw from an institution because the registration was just too hard. And we don't want that. So we also have to make sure, you know, once students have registered, once the registration process has begun, um, you know, I always tell my students, set an alarm clock on your iPhone or your Android. And so if you know registration starts at seven, set your alarm at six, pretend like you're buying a new iPhone, waking up early in the morning, can't wait to be the first one to get the new iPhone, or set it up at six o'clock. That way, if you hit the snooze button, you know it's gonna wake you up before seven. And then when you get there in front of your computer, hit refresh, refresh, refresh until seven gets there. And next thing you know, it's there and you're ready. And so, um, you know, it's, 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 it's great just to really just, you know, be, be gone about it. Get some sleep beforehand. Don't stay up till four o'clock in the morning and then go to sleep and then hope to wake up for seven o'clock or whatever time your registration is. Uh, afterwards, at, you know, send out an email saying, hey, how did everything go? If you still need help, I'm here for you. Contact me. Um, it, it's, it's wonderful. It's really wonderful opportunity. Um, it's great. It, it can be scary. Um, but the most important thing is, is just keeping students at ease. And you as an advisor, ask questions. You don't have to know everything. Yes, you may create a binder with all the progress sheets. Things change all the time. We get tons of emails. Sometimes we see them all. Sometimes some slip through the crack. So ask questions. Call yes. the department. Talk to the department chair. Build relationships with them. They can tell you. They can help you out as far as what, what are course substitutions. Course substitutions. Also, you know, be mindful that if you're telling students taking classes during the summer at a community college, tell them make sure they take the right class. Uh, you know, making sure that, you know, if they need, say, for instance, human anatomy and physiology, one, making sure that they take the right one at a community college so it'll transfer over. Uh, reading the uh, course description of, of that course and make sure it matches with the other one. Talking to the department to make sure that the course will transfer and it will qualify for that uh, major requirement. Um, the most important thing that you can ever do is ask questions and being okay with not knowing. You have to be okay with not knowing. There's a lot of policies, there's a lot of guidelines, there's a lot of processes. And not knowing is okay, as long as you get help, as long as you ask, as long as you do that in front of the student, be willing to be, be open and vulnerable and share what, with the student, I don't know. And I'm I, gonna I, find I, out because I wanna I, make sure you graduate on time. I do that all the time, James. I do that and I recommend everyone to do that. Yeah. And by experience, my students appreciate it a lot yeah. when you tell them up front, you know, there are some things about this that I just wanna make sure and exactly. I'm guiding you into the right direction. Yeah, I, I tell They're them, really I want to make sure you graduate on time. So give me a second. I'm going to call someone real quick, make sure that this will Correct. work. Because I want you to graduate on time. I want you blaming me for the reason why you don't graduate. <laughs> so I tell them. And, and you know, and, they, and like you said, they appreciate it. 
And, and if, if I make a mistake, I just tell him my name is Alexander Scott. So that way I'm <laughs> no, telling Jim's captain is that's what they have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Scott gets you out of any trouble. If you just mention that name, you will be fine, right? You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so again, those are some of the things that, like I said, I recommend that you do. Um, again, it, it, it's okay. It's okay. I can't, I can't say enough. Even for veteran advisors, I'm certainly sure they're listening on here and they're saying, yep, ask questions. Don't be afraid. Oh yeah. If you don't know, ask course catalog. I'm telling you new advisors, ask questions. And yes. like I said, the most important thing is always following up uh, because you will have to follow up with the student schedule, even after the semester, because if there were certain prerequisites that they didn't pass, like if they didn't pass English 111, which may be a prerequisite for English 112, you got to go back and look at their schedule, adjust their schedule, because they can't take 112 without first passing 111. So you're going to have to go back and check over their schedules anyway. So provide some time for you to do that as well. It's a lot. It's time consuming, but you'll get through it. And as always, this is the wonderful, great, amazing James Cabinets podcast. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, the Devising yeah, 101 podcast. <laughs> with James Cabinets and that Professor Scott. Uh, again, <laughs> definitely hit us up on all the wonderful socials, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We got you covered. We're going to put some questions in the uh, social media pages. Get your thoughts. What do you do? What have you found successful? How do you prepare for uh, students prior to entering uh, your office to register? What are some things that uh, you do after? You know, do you talk to them afterwards and say, how was your experience? Do you look and say, hey, I found this course. I think you might like it. So I, I'm curious to hear from you. Remember, we're all family. We're all in this together. So help each other out. Help us grow and know. This is a big uh, field that we're in. And so there are tons of wonderful options. So if you don't use uh, DegreeWorks, but you have another system that works great, please, again, drop it in the socials. We appreciate you. We value you. And of course, as always, have a great and wonderful day. Anything else, Professor Scott? No. Please right. share with us in our socials. Wonderful. Take it easy. Have a great day.